This episode is timely because it's been a very hot debate on all of the scam victim social media platforms I follow recently. I have some pretty strong opinions that I'll share after the interview. My name is April, and I got into this world after what I know now was a $300,000 romance scam of my mother as she was dying of cancer. Her interview is the last episode. But this time on Scammer Stories, they create that sense of guilt and shame and responsibility in their victim so that they can just keep getting away with it and so that they won't tell anyone because it is shameful. Alex is a young woman who was scammed twice. The first scam was kind of the run of the mill that we hear on this podcast. Then she signed up for seeking arrangements. Laying everything out on the table really appeals to me. This way, there's no question who's going to pay for what. That was two years ago. At the time, she was 23. We'll get into the big mystery in just a moment. First, let's hear about her introduction into the world of scumbags. I'm interested to hear this story. So tell me a little bit about yourself. (laughs) What do you want to know? (laughs) Where do you live? Have you ever been married? Do you ever have kids? Kind of just what's your life like? I'm 25 and I live in Vancouver, BC. I grew up on the east coast of Canada, but moved here about six years ago to the west coast. And I love it. I'm definitely not married and I definitely don't have kids. <laughs> not even close to that yet. Um, I'm a farmer by trade. Oh, cool. Um, I specialize in a, in regenerative agriculture with a focus on water retention landscapes. Wow. Yeah, I have a specialty baking business where I bake for people with like intense dietary restrictions. I do a lot. I'm kind of a jack of all trades and master of nothing. And I'm currently studying a very specific type of therapy. Ooh, what's it called? Somatic experiencing and somatic sex education. And what's that? I gotta look it up. It's like a body-based therapy um, where you work with the nervous system. So work on a biological and physiological level to address issues in your life and a lot of things usually tend to be driven by the body and not the mind so it's going in through the body and yeah working on that level okay so tell me about your dating experience and what led to you going online so I live in Vancouver and it is one of the most expensive cities and it's pretty much the most expensive city in Canada to live in. You're surrounded by nature, like 10 minutes and you can be anywhere in the city in 10 minutes. You're in like a breathtaking place with the nature fairly intact and like beautiful views and you have oceans, lake, rivers, mountains, flatlands, valleys, like every type of ecosystem you can get to. Islands are really close. Everything is so close and there's so much to do. So it was at a time where I was pretty financially unstable. Like I just didn't know what my next income was and living very frugally. And there's an app called Seeking Arrangements where it's dating, but like with an enhanced like creating an arrangement that works for both parties. It can be financial. Sometimes it can be mentorship involved, like business mentorship. There's like all kind of whatever works for each party. And I want to check it out because laying everything out on the table really appeals to me. This is what I'm looking for in whatever relationship we end up deciding. For me at that time, I was looking for a bit of financial assistance just to 
my head above water. And I had no idea that scamming was really a thing at this point in my life. I'm also a very gullible person and I know that. So I don't know, I was talking to a bunch of people and this person, his name was Richard, quote unquote. I think what stuck out about him to me the most out of everyone else was that he was consistent. Now that I know what I know, that's a red flag. (laughs) You mean like wouldn't give up? He was just always reaching out, but it wasn't too much. That's the thing. But it was just more than everyone else. Like everyone else, like you'd say one thing and then they just like drop off the map. That's normal dating. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dependable and normal communication isn't usually go hand in hand with dating online. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah, but I've never dated online, so I didn't know. So his story was that he was on a boat doing aquatic research. So I was like, all right, that's cool. At least he can hold a conversation, da-da-da. And then we were talking for a couple of months, and then this story was unfolding how he, like, had to get back. The holidays were approaching and whatnot. was trying to transfer me money, and because he was so remote, he, like, was asking for my account number and it was like this way that I wasn't familiar with, but because it's crossing borders, it sounded like he he was talking about, clearly I had no idea. (laughs) So I gave him my account numbers and he kept trying to put money through and it kept being denied or whatever. So that was really confusing. And I was like constantly going to the bank to try and figure it out. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in banks, like over the course of a month. (laughs) Were any red flags raised with the bank? Did they have any concerns? I think I had a pretty good story on my end. Like, I was just like, oh, yeah, my uncle is trying to transfer me money from the States. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay. And then he was like, okay, well, go maybe go open an account with another bank and get me that account number. So I tried another bank. And it's interesting because within two days of me opening that account, they were like, fraudulent behavior has been spotted or has been detected, like, you are now shut down from this bank. Like, you're no longer ever allowed to open up account with us ever again. And that account was shut down. And I was like, oh, oof. I thought that it was a little bit of an overreaction, but I don't know. <laughs> How much money did he say he was going to send you? Just so we know if this happens to someone else, maybe it would help. It was like a couple thousand. Okay, that yeah. sounds reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It sounded reasonable on my end too, because I had no experience with this at all. And also going between borders, like I didn't, yeah, I just didn't think after he had tried to send me money like a bunch of times to a bunch of different accounts. And the story started unfolding on his end that he had to get out and he was stranded and needed to get out from his boat. And he couldn't get, reach any banks because he was in such a remote part of the U.S. that I had to get. <laughs> oh, this sounds so silly. <sighs> Brutal. Okay, yeah. So I, <laughs> so I ended up wiring him uh, like a grand at first to help him get out of being stranded. <laughs> <laughs> At least you can laugh about this now, seriously. Oh, Lord. I have to laugh at it because it's just knowing what I know now. It's just all the same story. And I've, like, spent my time educating myself on it because I I know that I can be vulnerable because I am so gullible. So I ended up wiring him money through Bitcoin. And this was when Bitcoin was just starting to get big. So I also wasn't super educated on the process of it. So I sent him about a grand through Bitcoin. And then what I noticed about his story was his situation kept getting dire 
like more and more dire. I don't remember the specific details of like exactly what he told me of like why he had to get out so bad and why he needed more money. But after that initial grant, I ended up sending him another 1200 through Bitcoin, maybe a week or two later. And this is when I had no money. So that was really a lot of money. I was like left with nothing for months and months. And then... He kept trying to get me to send him more, but at that point, I was just like, well, dude, like, I'm tapped out. I literally don't have anything else for you. And then I ended up just, like, shutting any messaging, any way that he can get to me down because I was just so confused. It took me weeks to kind of admit to myself that I had been scammed and that all of it was fake and kind of unraveling the story and unraveling the mind fuck that it was. Did you go online yeah. and were you able to find any sort of help online? No. Me either. Yeah, I think the only thing I did was report it to the fraud, but obviously nothing happens with that. They, I just gave them all the information that I could about it. So like our yeah. FBI, but you went to your FBI basically. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. But obviously nothing happened and I got scammed again. And this is when I really started to get serious about educating myself because this one, I was just like, man, twice in a row, this sucks. So yeah, it took me months to kind of just like unravel that and let it sink in. And I very rarely tell people in my life about it because it was, I felt so ashamed. And looking back, those manipulative tactics are on purpose. Like they create that sense of guilt and shame and responsibility in their victim so that they can just keep getting away with it and so that they won't tell anyone because it is shameful. So that was the first scam. Then she went back online and things got even more strange or in my mind, dangerous. The story was a huge puzzle for me at the time. I didn't know until last week it's actually been solved. First, let's see if you can solve the case. Okay, so the next story. <laughs> this one was recent. It was on the same app, filling me, seeking arrangements, and this man had contacted me. He sounded very pleasant and very well-spoken, and his voice was really nice. And just the way he communicated, I really appreciated. And that's kind of what got me. And he was like, oh, like, I'm in New York, but you look super awesome, and da-da-da-da-da, would you like to come to New York? And I was like, oh, okay. I've never been to New York. <laughs> sure, why not? And um, so as we were talking, he was like, oh, would you like to bring a friend? Like him mentioning that and offering to bring a friend and fly me and a friend out there made me trust him more because I was like, okay, well, he can't be up to any shady shit if he wants me to bring someone. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it seems safer. Yeah, yeah, totally. So me and my friend bought a flight to New York the next day. He was in a rush because of some sort of business trip. She now thinks the timeline was a way to establish control and see if women would do what the man wanted. Now that I look back on it, that was a red flag that I didn't quite catch. So we get there the next day, like seven hour flight, and we both didn't sleep at all. And we're both tired and haven't really eaten the proper meals. Neither of us was thinking really straight. And we had like made all these plans. The plan started changing and everything he had said, like slowly started to change. And he picked us up and he wasn't at all like he described himself and not at all like his pictures. So it was a catfish. We spent one night with him and 
he put us in an Uber and told us that he'd meet us downtown New York and ditched us pretty much. So here they are in a different country, young, no place to stay and no ticket home. We like got there and he had deactivated all of his phones, I guess took his SIM card out or whatever. The address that he had gave us, we went to and it was in was a fancy building in Manhattan and we went to it and the whole building was under construction. I had screened his phone number before we went and it came up as a woman's name and I kind of just assumed that it was his ex-wife or whatever because he had told me that he was going through a divorce. And then when I screened it a different way again after I had realized that he had ghosted us, like a fake website came up. Yeah, it was like a fake lawyer's website. You could tell that it was fake. And what I was striked about was that it kind of seemed like he was a serial scammer and that he did that a lot because his story was very elaborate. The emotional unraveling that came after that, it was just so intense. It was just like constant waves of like guilt, shame, anger, sadness, like disbelief that someone could even do that. And, um, and why? What did he get out of it? I think that the fantasy land that he created is what like gives him a high or something. That's kind of what I think and that what my theory about the whole thing is. I couldn't even fucking believe that I'd gotten myself into that situation. And what scares me is that, A, there's nothing I can do about it, even if I report it, because the laws in the U.S. are very different than the laws here. And um, I think, like, even the website of Seeking Arrangements is illegal in the States, even though it still operates. I think it might be like a gray zone, but I don't think I could ever go to the authorities with the information that I have about him. I told her she should report it. I even contacted an FBI agent. Then I kind of didn't follow up. So what did you do? Where'd you go? We took an Uber back to the airport and got right on the next flight back home. So you had to buy a plane (laughs) ticket that day to get back, which had to be really expensive. Yeah. So how much did mm-hmm. the two of you spend on your just your plane tickets? A grand each. It's like bad because we're struggling artists and students. That is a lot to us, but it's like nowhere near where other people usually end up, if that makes sense. One thought that crosses my mind is it could have been worse. He could have ended up being violent. <laughs> totally. I strongly think that he does it serially. I think that his condition will escalate. So even though he wasn't violent towards us, I do think he will get there. Kind of the scariest thing about it to me. And I just wonder how many other people have been victimized by him. And then another thing, literally a couple of days after, he had contacted my friend who was using the same app. Okay, so he's using completely different identities and different pictures, not the same picture Mm -hmm. each time. Different phone numbers, different emails. Yeah. So what did he look like? He looked maybe like Mexican or Italian roots. Um, He was dressed in like a plaid, like a basic plaid button-up shirt and jeans and had short hair but was like clean-shaven. He looked like a normal person. Like I wouldn't have blinked if I had walked past him on the street. 
And what did your girlfriend say when you guys met him? I mean, I'm curious what your reaction to each other was. You know, our big reaction was more so when we got dished and when we were like yeah. unraveling the story and figuring it out. Yeah. When we were just like, did we just get dished? And we took an Uber to the address that he gave us and it was under construction. Her first thing she said, she was like, that's dark. And just the expression on her face and like the shared feeling like our stomachs like sinking I was just at a loss of words when you first arrive and you get there and you see that he looks different than his pictures you're like okay maybe this will still work out yeah well and the first thing that crossed my mind too is wondering if he was in some sort of human trafficking ring that's terrifying um I don't know very much about human trafficking so I can't speak to that I don't want to add mm-hmm. to your anxiety either. <laughs> if you do have any theories, I'm curious to hear because the education piece is important. Is human trafficking big in the States? Oh, it's not in Canada. I don't know. Is it? Oh, yeah, it's big here. Hmm. Yeah. We busted a guy right next door from my office. The police busted a guy. It's bad. Yeah. So what is the purpose of human trafficking? They get girls, kidnap them, and prostitute them. Oh, my God. Yeah. So here's what actually did happen. The man who Alex went to see is 42-year-old Jose Torres. The United States Justice Department says Torres was arrested in February for luring sex workers to New Jersey to perform sex acts by force. Torres is charged with two counts of coercion and enticement. They say from May 2015 to October 2019, Taurus lured girls to New Jersey, and when the women asked for payments for the sex acts they performed, he assaulted and raped them. The charges carry a maximum of 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. He hasn't been charged. He hasn't yet been convicted or sentenced. He found victims through online websites like Backpage, and in Alex's case and in Alex's case, seeking arrangements. We can only speculate as to why he let Alex and her friend go without forcing them into sex. Maybe he figured out once he met them in person that they were just young girls who weren't prostitutes. Alex's friend was right. It's dark. And they were very lucky. There's something I want to get off my chest about this episode and this topic. In the social media groups, like I said earlier... People roast these girls for signing up for a website like this. Commenters say, these girls deserve everything they get. Um, No, absolutely not. Okay, look, you might not agree with the conditions, but if both parties are good with it, that's their business. How do these girls deserve it? We're all victims. Young, old, men, women, period. Let the lonely rich dudes pay for their college or whatever. It saves us all from paying, right? I mean, if we're going to look at this as a glass-half-full moment, especially right now with everything going on in our crazy coronavirus lives, if you have something you'd like to share, if you have an opinion on what I've just said, hit me up on the Scammer Stories Facebook page or email me at scammerstoriespodcast. It's scammerstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Scammer Warriors, be careful in this isolating time. Scumbags are out in 